Hello and welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Josh Norris and this is Ben Badler in uh, in Boston this morning. We're going to talk to you about prospects like we always do. Say hello, Ben. Hey, what's going on, Josh? So what did you want to talk about this morning? I think uh, I think the forefront of every baseball fan's minds who have been paying attention over the last 24 hours is uh, that massive slugger in Texas named Joey Gallo who uh, debuted with quite a bang last night. What'd you think? Yeah, who... <laughs> Who else does everybody want to talk about right now but Joey Gallo? It's uh, not – I don't think it's – It's everybody seemed very surprised that he was getting called up, but uh, I don't know that he's necessarily uh, – you know, I, I think there's still a lot more for him that he could learn in the minor leagues to, to use for his development. I don't think he's going to be up here for – for much more than a couple of weeks while Adrian Beltre is, is getting healthy and gets off the disabled list. Uh, but this is what the, <laughs> this is what the Rangers do. They're a very aggressive organization. They like to, to push their guys. I mean, you saw it with, uh, Odor last year and, uh, and how about, uh, Michael DeLeon going to, to double A's a 17 year old. They, they always push their guys. They upped the ante uh, last night. Uh, Jason Urizari's at triple A. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they like to to get these guys moving. So it's uh, and and usually when they do it, the guys are able to to handle it. Whether it's you know even going back to guys like Jerks and Profar or, or Martin Perez, the way they uh, push them very aggressively, but they were able to uh, to handle those assignments. But yeah, if they need somebody to come up and and fill in, it it gives them a little bit of a taste of what more. Advanced pitching is like, I mean, there's, you know, Chris Sale and and Carlos Rodon. I mean, J- Joey Gallo is, you know, unless he sits in, in the lineup, he's probably going to face these guys. There, there's nobody he's going to face, uh, <laughs> especially as a, a left-handed hitter, that's it's going to give him uh, more problems or, or better stuff than these kind of guys. So, you know, getting exposure, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, to this kind of pitching can, can probably help his development. But, yeah, I mean, last night we saw... What happens if if he if you make a mistake to Joey Gallo, he's gonna hit a ball 440 plus feet. And yeah, he's gonna put you on the highlights. That was that was the baseball version of being posterized. Yeah. Now the next game, he's just as likely to, you know, go 0 for 4 with three punchouts. But any any mistake that's in his zone, he's just gonna crush. And he's not. I don't want to make it sound like he's just a, a mistake hitter because that's not. What he is that 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 was what he was a couple of years ago, uh, you know, when he was in Hickory and, and striking out uh, you know, almost 170 or so times in uh, in a little over 100 games. And, and there were a lot of questions about how that was going to translate going forward. But he took uh, a big step forward last year, really cut down on a lot of that excess movement, got a better understanding of how pitchers were going to pitch to him. I and mean, this is not a guy who's just up there completely hacking he's got he's got some some type of a plan at the plate he's got pitch you know we talk about plate discipline and and pitch recognition but uh, he's got some pitch anticipation too i think he understands how pitchers are are going to attack him not necessarily major league pitchers right now he he hasn't seen that yet he hasn't quite seen the the level of of stuff and and feel for location that major league pitchers have that you're just not going to find in 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 double a but uh but this is a guy who's gonna well, he's gonna strike out a lot but he's gonna draw a ton of walks uh pitchers are gonna pitch to him very carefully uh you know once he once he figures out the the major league game and, and adjusts to the speed of that game uh so he's gonna draw a ton of walks and, and obviously hit uh you know be a threat to hit 35 40 maybe 40 plus uh home runs a year so yeah this is uh you know, I, I don't know how long he's going to be up. I, I think in the, the future, this guy's going to be, you know, obviously I think he's got a very good chance to, to lead the league in home runs or, or slugging. But uh, I'll be very interested to see uh, how he's able to to adapt and, and how the league uh, is able to how quickly the league is able to, to get a book on him, even if it even if it's just a, a brief, brief stint in Texas right now. I don't think it's too early. Uh, to get a campaign started to get Joey Gallo to the home run derby in Cincinnati uh, for the All-Star game. So, yeah, I don't think anyone would mind that. No, uh, if you could get him and Bryant and Harper and have a Vegas home run derby in Cincinnati, you could, 
it, it would be amazing. Cause it's, I think uh, and and everyone everyone always sleeps on Chris Carter too. I'm not saying he's <laughs> he's in that category as a as an overall player, uh, but just in terms of Vegas raw power hitters. I mean, the guy had 37 home runs last year, and he's he's almost like an afterthought in the uh, the Vegas uh, power power group but well, uh, he's not he's not Bryce Harper and he's not new and shiny like Gallo and uh and Brian. right well and all those guys are born what uh <laughs> one or, or two years apart and, and all you've all seen the picture of Harper and Gallo playing on the same little league team right right did you ever play a little league team like that <laughs> well um when you are five probably two maybe five foot at the time and 110 pounds soaking wet everyone's Joey Gallo yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're all Gallo. <laughs> um, so no, I didn't. Um, so yeah, we we it's not Joey, just Joey Gallo on their farm. Um, they've got some other guys who are doing some damage. Obviously, uh, you are particularly fond of the Double A Round Rock Club that features a lot of same guys that JJ Cooper profile from the 2013 Hickory Club. Uh, Nick Williams is there. Nomar Mazzara is there. Uh, Jorge Alfaro is there. Uh, there's a few more that I'm probably missing. Uh, Jake Thompson, I believe, is there. The the, the club that ju- that uh, that Gallo just left. So uh, we obviously, I think, I think internally we're highest on uh, Mazzara out of that group, if if I'm correct. And I think there's a good reason for it, just because he's a he's a very uh, a left-handed hitter with a very sweet swing, who's starting to break out a little bit this year, and he's still very young for the league. I mean, what do you think about Mazzara, uh, Ben? Yeah, he's uh, it, it's it's really impressive to me the adjustments that he's been able to make since he signed because when he signed, he played in this program that's that's run by uh, a, a trainer named Ivan Naboa, and he's he's had a lot of the top uh, uh, certainly a lot of the top players who signed for top bonuses over the years in the Dominican Republic. And and obviously Mazzara still has the record for the highest international uh, amateur bonus at, at four nine five million, and it was uh, you know it was, a, it was a package deal too. They they got a couple other uh, players out of it too, and and threw some more money uh, their way. But Mazzara played in this very controlled environment. Everybody was saying you know we would we would see him, but he, you know he wouldn't necessarily come to our complex. They would make us go to his field which is a, a very small bandbox type of park. So he would, you know, he, he did have big raw power, but it was looked even better there uh, just because it was this, this very small park. He's hitting balls into the trees. It's, it's very pretty to, to see that. And the biggest thing was that, uh, you know, he wouldn't really play in game situations. You couldn't see him face live pitching all that much. You know, there were, there were teams that did see him, Face live pitching, and and when he did, it there was a lot of swing and miss. There was a lot of strikeouts, and that was a that was a big concern for a lot of teams. He had this big uh, swinging leg kick that really disrupted his timing, and you know that works in in batting practice when you know the guy is, uh, you know the you know, you know the guy throwing it to you is just gonna put it right into your kill zone, so you could put on a nice show in BP, but when the, the fastballs start getting a little faster and, and the pitcher starts to, to wiggle and bends. It's it's not so easy to uh, to be on time. And when when Mazzara came out that first year in uh, the Arizona League, he I think he showed surprising patience. I don't think people you know it's it's hard to get a read on any uh, young uh, amateur hitter, especially in uh, you know when you're scouting them in the Dominican Republic, but especially when you're not seeing them in a lot of game at bats. Uh, it's it's hard to gauge uh, plate discipline and, and patience, pitch recognition, things like that. Uh, so he showed some patience and, and he definitely showed power. Uh, but that, you know, again, there was a lot of swing and miss. He went up to, to Hickory the next year. Uh, he had 236 and, you know, he was all right. He kind of held his own there for, for a young kid uh, in that league. But he had to he had to repeat the league. And last year, and, and that's when he really the season went along he kind of toned down his swing uh was able to to make the right adjustments and, and cut down some of that you know unnecessary movement uh that was going on in his swing and you really saw him break out he went to, to winter ball uh tore it up there in, in the dominican league last uh 
uh, this past winter, and then he's just kind of carried that over uh, this year in Frisco. So uh, you're, you're seeing a much more much more refined hitter, a much more polished overall player than, than he was a few years ago. I mean, he's you know he's really raw in the outfield. Or he's you know he had a, maybe an average arm at, at best uh, when he signed. Now it's a, in a you know it's it's an above average arm. He, he's become a much better outfielder, a, a much better hitter, and you know it's it's interesting because the I think he only has three home runs this year. So the the power hasn't been showing up in games so much this year, but I, I don't think anybody's concerned about that. This is a, a, an enormous human with 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 plus raw power. So he, you know, as he continues to mature as a hitter and, and find that right blend between uh, being able to put the ball in play and, and being able to drive it for power in game situations, I think you're gonna you're gonna see him really take off. Yeah, and then I, I agree there. I mean, he's he's loaded with potential, just like all the other guys in this. Well, not all the other guys, but a lot of the other guys in this club. Um, we, we talked about Nick Williams, who's got some of the fastest hands in the minor leagues, and just like a lot of guys in the Ranger system, is just a toolbox with with stuff he can do. He can hit, he can hit for power, he can play the outfield, uh, and this year it's starting to show up. He's got an 18 eight, or 818 OPS at Double A. He's got seven home runs, which is impressive because his career high for a full season is 17. So he's, you know, he's on, he's on track to, to get near that again. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Nick Williams. I love what he's done this year. And I give a lot of credit to, well, to, to the players, obviously themselves for making, making the right adjustments, but to, uh, it seems like the Rangers have a lot of hitters who have, been able to cut down on their strikeouts, and you and you mentioned that you, know, you mentioned that Hickory Club a couple of years ago is just kind of always amusing to to see that lineup because what would you see? You'd see guys with a ton of tools and a ton of strikeouts, exciting players on that team, but they also swung and missed a ton. And usually, if you're swinging and missing a lot in low A, that's a pretty big red flag uh, for for all the pretty significant adjustments you're going to have to be able to make to hit major league pitching and most guys aren't able to do it. And, you know, granted these guys aren't hitting in, in the major leagues quite yet, but the improvement that guys like Joey Gallo and Nomar Mazzara and Jorge Alfaro and, and Nick Williams uh, have made since then has been very impressive to me. I mean, Nick Williams is a guy who you mentioned his hand speed. It's, it's outstanding hand speed. It's, it's, uh, it's a lightning quick bat, and it's for a guy who, you know, you look at the the strikeouts that he had and and the very low walk rate. But you know, every time I, I talk to a scout about him, they just refer to him as uh, they they just love his natural hitting actions, uh, and, and he always has hit for, you know, hit close to 300 for his career. But obviously, in in his case, there's you know, there were pitch recognition issues. There were approach issues. He was up there uh, swinging at everything. I mean, he looked, you know, and I wrote this in his report. Uh, you know, if he, if this guy hits his ceiling, he could be basically their version of Carlos Gonzalez. But if he never figures out how to actually manage his at-bats and, and work the count and, and wait for a good pitch to hit, you know, he, he looks a lot like uh, Felix Pa too, who was obviously a, a very highly touted prospect who was never able to to put it all together in large part because of his his approach issues. But you know what we've seen from Nick Williams this year—he he has 22 walks this year already through 51 games, which is already one more, or excuse me, exactly equal to the number of walks uh, that he had a year ago for the entire season and. You know, I don't think it's just oh, it's it's a small sample size, and you know he's he's still up there just hacking away. I, this is real improvement from him. I think it's he he realizes that uh, you know sometimes you learn by swinging at at bad pitches. Okay, if I swing at that slider off the dirt, I I, I can't really hit that pitch. Or if I'm you know up there swinging at the first pitch at a, a borderline pitch, and I'm just kind of rolling it over for a ground ball. That's really not the the optimal approach. I'm I'm not getting base hits by that. So you know I need to learn to to lay off that pitch. And some guys never 
do learn it. Obviously, you want to have the guy who has you know that natural recognition of the the pitch out of a guy's hand and, and comes into pro ball with that. But you know, some guy, Starling Marte, was was like that. He had to to learn that coming up. Uh, and I think Nick Williams is you're starting to to see that click for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's about right. I think you pretty much covered it there, Ben. Um, it's it's a really good club there at Double A Double A Frisco, even with Gallo gone. Um, and it's impressive because at that Hickory Club, it seemed like they didn't. I don't want to say they didn't care about the strikeouts, but it wasn't a big worry. It was let these guys, you know, rip and and do what they can, and then we'll install a two strike approach later. And it seems to have worked for a majority of the guys to the Rangers credit. So you have to give them big kudos for that. Let's move on from the Rangers a little bit and talking about a guy who did move up. Uh, that's Yankees right-hander Luis Severino, who was promoted about a week ago from double A to triple A and made his first triple uh, A start the other day to kind of middling results, kind of had a few command issues, but um, you know, you've, you, you and I both have followed Severino's career pretty closely and, uh, I cover the Yankees for the handbook, and you're obviously the uh, the international guru of international gurus. Um, so were you surprised when he got moved so early? No, and it's weird. I got a bunch of questions, too, from people. Uh, I, I got so many questions from fans and, and people who want to know, oh, why hasn't this guy been promoted yet from low A to high A? Like, that's... Uh, uh, like a month into the season as if uh, you know that's it really matters whether what what level of a ball uh, a player is at or or whether a guy's moving from high a to, to double a uh so i was very surprised when i got a bunch of questions saying oh why why are the yankees moving luis severino so fast but i got the same I mean, thing it's uh you know I don't, i'm not sure what there is that he needs to to do in in double a i mean this guy has you know he's he's striking guys out. He's 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 throwing a bunch of strikes. He's been in Double A. I think he had almost 15 starts uh, in Double A between this year and last year. So you know I saw him pitch, uh, you know earlier this season, and and he didn't even have his best stuff that day. Uh, I think his his didn't really have great feel for his changeup, which is obviously his. Uh, his well, I can't say his best pitch because he was sitting with his fastball 94 to 96 and uh, was up to 97 and, and he's been up even higher than that uh, at times in in the past. But uh, but even his changeup wasn't even on that day. His slider kind of came and went. You could tell he didn't, he didn't even just talking to him. But he said he didn't have his, the best feel for for his off speed stuff that day. Uh, it still gets around the, the slider sometimes, but even without his best stuff, he was still you know overpowering that level and i think he's he's definitely ready for for that triple a challenge right now and I, I think he's got a good chance to i think he's got a good chance to be able to help them in the big leagues this yeah. year I, I really do i mean i think if you have you look at the just the injury rate of pitchers around baseball and i think if a guy can can throw strikes and is is having success you know i'm i'm all for pushing him up the ladder I, I think it's uh I think it's the right move yeah he reminds me a little bit of Jose Ramirez in that system um both in stuff and build he's a little thicker than Jose um and he's performed a little better but they moved him uber quick from double a to triple a I to the surprise of a lot of people um and it, it, he seems to be following a, tri- a the similar path. Obviously, I think they're going to keep him a starter as long as can be and probably long term. I think he's a guy who could probably help them, assuming he succeeds in triple A the way he succeeded in double A uh, around the all-star break. Maybe maybe earlier, maybe a little after the all-star break um, in July at some point, especially if you think about that rotation, you're going to have Tanaka, who is obviously continuing to walk that high wire of, of, uh, of health. We'll see how how he fares, I think he's today, against uh, Taiwan Walker, so we'll see. Um, you're going to have Nova coming back uh, at some point around the All-Star break, probably. You're going to have Pineda, and if you get Severino in there, um, you might give yourself a, a big boost, and especially since these guys are are contending in a very, very mediocre AL East right now. I mean, they're 
three games above, above 500, I think, and are a half game up in the division. So a guy like that, if he can come up and provide something similar to what he's done in the minor leagues, that's that could go a huge way in a division race. Yeah, I definitely – I don't know that he's ready – Right now, but like you said, by by the All Star, whether it's the All Star break or, or August, I think at some point this year, uh, you know, I, I would like to see more development with the slider. I think that would be the one pitch. It's interesting too because when the him, the reason they signed him was they liked his fastball and and they liked his slider. And in pro ball, he's become this fastball, uh, you know, mid nineties fastball plus or or better changeup guy and. The slider, I think it has its it has its moments. If there's times it can be a, a swing and miss pitch for him, it's just not a consistent pitch. He's still learning to, to stay on top of it and, and not get around the ball. But uh, to me, that would be the biggest development goal for him right now in AAA. It's not so much being able to to repeat his delivery or, or throw more strikes. I mean, I think he has he's a, he's an excellent strike thrower. He's he's throws plenty of strikes. Uh, he's got uh, he's got three pitches. He's definitely a starter, uh, but I would like to see him just bring along that breaking ball a little bit more. But yeah, at, at some point this season, uh, like you said, he he should be able to give that rotation a boost. Absolutely. So we agree that his promotion is not too aggressive. Um, let's move on um, and talk about some stuff that I saw over this past weekend, where when I was in. Uh, I was in Tennessee from Thursday until yesterday, and in that time, if you listen to the last podcast, you know I saw the Cubs double-A team, the the Twins double-A team, the Brewers double-A team, triple-A Las Vegas, um, and I think I'm probably missing somebody in there, uh, but that means I saw Buxton, Sano, Polanco, Berrios, oh, the Diamondbacks double-A team, uh, Braden Shipley, Brandon Drury, um, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Corey Black, and Steven Matz, and Orlando Arcia, among others. So we can start there. Um, I, I wrote about Arcia today on the site, or yesterday, I guess it went up on the site, and he was he was really, really impressive. I know you're super high on him. What, did you, what do you think about him coming into the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I love everything about the guy. It's... Uh... It's a very it's a very aggressive swing. I mean, I think you just look at the, the the numbers that he produces, and you think he'd have this, you know, small, simple type swing because he he puts the ball in play a lot, and there's not a lot of power. But uh, he's up there, and he takes a, a very aggressive hack, but he has the the hand-eye coordination to to make it work. He, he covers the plate, uh, he puts the ball in play, hits to all fields, and you know, it's not a a ton of power, but I don't think he needs to have a ton of power uh, to be a shortstop. I think he, he hits the ball hard enough. Uh, there's enough pop in his bats, and he's he's going to be able to to hit, get on base, be a you know a potential whether it's leadoff or number two uh, hitter somewhere somewhere in the top of the order, and then play above average defense at shortstop. Uh, and and he's grown into you know he wasn't really much of a runner when the Brewers sign him, but he's now an, an above average runner. So this is a really, really well-rounded player. And I think he, I think he's starting to get more attention. Uh, you know, it's not like he was off the radar or anything by any means last year, but uh, I think he's really, really moved himself into the discussion among the top, top handful of, of shortstop prospects in the minors right now. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's the second youngest player in that league only to Billy McKinney. Uh, at, at 20 years and change right now, and he was—he's the reigning Southern League Player of the Week. He had five doubles and a bomb last week, and if you go to BA, you could see I think three or four of those doubles on uh, our video of him from the week for the, the the three or four games I saw him, or two or three games I saw him. He's—he's um, he's interesting. I—I I think there's there's more power than I would have expected from him, especially in BP. You could see him going opposite field with a lot of power too. Um, and it showed up in games, too, especially on one of those doubles that he kind of had a fastball kind of middle out, and he smacked it up against the wall on one or two bounces. Um, and then there was one against Jay O'Barrios where he knew a fastball was coming, and he ambushed it and nearly hit it out to left field. Um, I think he, it is a home run if the wall's not huge. So he's got – they're socking that bat. Um, the only area I almost – 
I worry a little bit about, and I mentioned it in this piece, is that pitchers are attacking him away. Um, and I think he looked a little vulnerable away with off-speed stuff. Um, he looked like he would kind of commit a little early, and then you'd result in a, either a weak contact or or a miss, a swing and miss entirely. Um, so there's a little bit of work to do there, but just the tools are incredible. He's, you're, you're right on that he's a he's an above-average defender with an above-average throwing arm. He could play defense in the major leagues right now, I think, and it's something that he said he's worked a lot on to become better at. Um, but it's tantalizing. I think he's the top prospect in the Brewers system without question. Yeah, it's interesting because you saw so you saw him and Jorge Polanco from the Twins, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, there's another guy too who I just think is certainly Arcia came into the year with a I think a higher profile, certainly higher ranked than Polanco. Uh, well, one of them is a major I, leaguer already. Right. For, uh, you know, for a very brief, brief time, but uh, just sort of an emergency. Oh, you're on the 40 man. Let's we don't have anyone else. <laughs> let's let's see what you can do for for a little bit uh, type deal with Polanco, obviously. But, but yeah, Polanco, you know, I, I, I just think he's a very underrated player. There's nothing nothing flashy about him. Uh, you know, I think he's but I, I think he's a very solid all-around player who can play whether it's you know whether it's shortstop or second base he's going to play somewhere in the middle of the infield and he's just a a good hitter I think the more you know I think he's one of those guys who the more you see the more you appreciate because I I like his I I like his bat I mean I think he's I think he's going to hit I think he's going to be an above average hitter in the major leagues and and play in the middle of the diamond somewhere now it's it's not going to be a ton of power but it's going to be again like rc it's it's going to be enough power for him to to play every day uh in the middle of the infield and and be you know an above average hitter and when you can do that and, and play in the middle of the diamond that's I mean, you put that all together it's it's an above average player potentially so uh but you were able to see both of them I and mean, what did you come away thinking between uh Arcia and, and polanco i think i liked Arcia a little better but um, Polanco is certainly very good. Um, he still makes some mistakes, I think, from aggressiveness. There's an incident, not an incident, uh, a moment on the bases. He got thrown out trying to steal, and I thought maybe the steal that he wasn't supposed to steal in that situation. It was just he got caught pretty easy by whoever the catcher was. Yeah, he's not a good base runner. <laughs> That's, that definitely is the area he's got to work on a lot. But he made a lot of contact, and he, he showed enough power to put the balls in the gaps. In that first game, I think he was like three or four, three for four or four for five. Um, he made contact, with the, like I said, put the balls in the gap with, with authority. Um, can play shortstop. They're both can. It's, it's, if you like Arcia, it's because he shows a little more control to his game. Um, but they're both stud prospects, I think. And that that I made the comparison that watching Biloxi versus um, – Chattanooga or Chattanooga versus anybody really is like watching a fall league game in June. There's just so many prospects on the field at one time. Uh, if you're watching Chattanooga, you're seeing Byron Buxton, you're seeing Miguel Sano, you're seeing uh, Pol- Polanco, Travis Harrison, Adam Brett Walker, uh, Stuart Turner, J.O. Barrios, Jose Barrios, uh, Jake Reed, uh, J.T. Chargois with 100 mile an hour fastball, uh, Nick Birdie's on that team is stacked from you know starter to lineup to bullpen, and then you throw in Orlando Arcia and Michael Reed, who's leading the Southern League, I believe, in OPS at 9.49 on the Biloxi team and gets no press at all. Um, and Tyrone Taylor, the guy we ranked number one in the Brewers system coming into the year, is on that team. Uh, Tyler Wagner was on that team, but got promoted before to the major leagues. Good for him, congratulations. Uh, before I got to see him. Jorge Lopez, another prospect of theirs, is on that team. So it, that league is stacked, but those two teams together is like watching the Arizona Fall League in June with a lot more humidity. Yeah, what uh, you mentioned, Buxton. What did you what did you think of him? I mean, he's obviously he's obviously a stud. I mean, he's tooled up to from here to from here to Chattanooga. Um, he didn't do much in that series, but you could see flashes every so often. Um, he uh, I shouldn't say in the series, in the games that I watched. Uh, when I did leave, he did stuff. Um, he 
had a couple singles when I watched, but you can see he's, he's quick. He's got silly raw power and BP. Um, he makes all sorts of great catches in the outfield. He robbed Anthony Giansante of at least a double, probably a triple. Um, I did see him swing a lot and miss a lot at off-speed pitches, um, which wasn't concerning, but it's just something to note. Uh, at this point, he, he does have a wart. He's not. He's he's the number one prospect still in the minors, but you know he's not ready yet. I wouldn't be bringing him up to replace Aaron Hicks right now. Um, I mean, what, what do you have to add to that? I mean, I know I know you uh, love Buxton just as much as everybody else here does. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think defensively he certainly could play in the big leagues right now, but uh, but yeah, offensively uh, there's still like you said there's still some there's still some work to be done. I think ultimately this is a guy who could hit whether you want to hit him lead off or you could hit him in the middle of the lineup. Uh, I guess I'm not that uh, passionate about where a guy has to hit in the lineup, but uh, he, he, I think he's going to be able to hit for. For average, you're right. There is uh, some swing and miss, not not problematically, but um, but you, you know it, it's uh, it's not like he's uh, I, don't, I don't project him as a you know a 320 hitter or, or anything like that. Somebody's going to have a, an elite type of, of contact rate, but I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a plus hitter because of because of the bats and and the speed that he brings uh, to the table. It's going to help him. Uh, leg out uh, infield hits. It's it's going to help him turn singles into doubles, doubles into triples. I think he has what uh, eleven. 11. Yeah. <laughs> at one point, I tweeted that he had twenty four percent of his hits were triples at one point. Yeah, and he has a, a pretty good idea of of what he's doing at the plate in terms of his approach. So yeah, you're right. It's not uh, this is not a guy I would think would be up this year. Um, well, I didn't think although, Joey Gallo would be up this early. So. Yeah, I mean the twins. The twins are a much more conservative organization. Uh, certainly, if the Rangers are aggressive, the twins are uh, definitely on on the opposite end of that spectrum. But uh, but then again, you know, <laughs> the twins are in first place in the national or in the American League Central, and it's June third, and I can't believe I'm saying that <laughs> because I thought this was going to be. Uh, the worst team in that league fairly easily. Um, I'm not quite sure how they're doing it. I don't know how sustainable it is, but those wins they have are in the bank. And it's I can't rule them out from being uh, a contender at some point. Uh, you know, if, you know, if if July 31st, if the trade deadline rolls around, this team might actually be a buyer at the trade deadline and they might call up guys who uh, you wouldn't have expected. And, and they, you know, if they need to go out and, and use the farm system to help the, the major league club in, in a trade, they certainly have the, the talent in the minor leagues to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. They have, if they're buyers at the trade deadline, even without snow and Paul, uh, Buxton on the table, they have plenty of chips. I mean, just we talked about the Chattanooga team, but elsewhere they have Alex Meyer. If you want to sell someone, he's a power bullpen arm. They have uh, Cole Stewart uh, at lower levels. My my helium guy Chi Wei Hu is making a lot of noise in the um, the Florida State League and made and fared pretty well for himself in one spot start in AAA. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but they've got pieces up and down without touching their their prized assets. Yeah, I mean they still yeah, like we talked about we talked about Polanco, they've got, you know, Nick Gordon. Uh they they got a lot of guys in that farm system who would be very I think very attractive trade ships, even down at the you know, the lower levels uh of the system. They got some pretty pretty interesting Latin young Latin players who they could use as kind of add ons as that, you know, third or, or fourth piece and uh in a trade if, if it comes down to that. So yeah, they've got, uh, they got a lot of options and yeah, you mentioned Alex Meyer. It's, you know, the, the control has been problematic this year. I think if they, they need to call up somebody this year, I think Tyler Duffy is a guy who uh, is, is a sleeper for them. He's, you know, he, he did rank it. I think he was number 15 or 16 for them this year. Um, yeah. Number 16 for them in the prospect handbook. But this is a guy who's never gotten a, a ton of attention 
uh, until till last year, and that's because last year his stuff really just jumped up. Uh, he was throwing, you know, maybe up to to 93 or so, and then his stuff jumped. I, I saw him last year up to to 96 as a guy who, you know, throws a lot of strikes, who keeps the ball on the ground, who's and he's got a starter's mix. He's got a a good changeup. He's he's got a good breaking ball. It just kind of took a little bit longer for for things to click for him uh, coming out of college, but it's uh, this is a guy who has a, I think he's got a chance to be you know not a not a high upside guy but a chance to be a, a back of the rotation starter a guy who could uh, could help them this year if they if they want to bring him up. Yeah, absolutely. They they have yeah. they have an excellent system and it's going to be able to help them whether it's in trades or whether it's just reinforcements down the stretch if they do somehow maintain this. I, mean, I don't think they will. Um, I think that's the Royals division or the Tigers division. Um, for the taking who do you think is more surprising at this point the twins or the astros uh that's a good question i think uh can i just answer yes no <laughs> because this, this is hot seat ben you're on the hot seat uh i'm i'm very shocked by by both of them i, I think the the astros I, I expected to be you know, and with for both teams, I expected them to to be contending either next year or or the year after that. I mean, these are both teams with good farm systems and and good young talent in the organization. Whether it's at the the big league level uh, now, especially in in Houston uh, or or in the minor leagues, but I I just didn't expect either of them to be this good so far yeah i i think that it would be the twins would be the most surprising because the astros their their big pieces uh, of their farm system were closer um mccullers was i guess on the edge of a call-up um and got it preston tucker was closer if you believe jonathan singleton is ready again he's closer he's at triple a i didn't think correa would be on the verge of a call-up this early but it sure seems like he is um, so I, whereas Buxton and Sano are obviously coming off mostly lost years, so they wouldn't probably be able to help. Um, so I, I think the twins are a little more surprising than the Astros. Yeah. But, uh, but w- one player, the twins are, are definitely not going to trade. I think it's fair to say is Miguel Sano. And, uh, I, I love the, the, the movie star you, you put, Miguel Sano. Yeah. I love the the picture you posted the other day on our uh, on our Facebook page of him and uh, Buxton and and Polanco uh, because Polanco it's it's not like he's a you know like a slim guy by any means but you could just see with Sano standing next to him and then standing next to to Buxton who's all Buxton's what six two one ninety or so something like that um, and Sano is just towering <laughs> no Sano is a monster he's a yeah, big boy just a, an enormous enormous human being and hit a, an enormous home run in the uh, in the video you posted and, and that you saw I mean what uh what were your impressions of him from from watching him this this past week I mean there's there's still some rust to be kicked off but man man oh man is his power stupid uh that video that I posted if you can find the baseball in that video kudos to you because it was long gone, uh, probably before I turned my camera toward the left field scoreboard, uh, and then it was in the sun. But he hit some balls like that in BP that are still he he and Adam Brett Walker during BP was just bomb after bomb after bomb. If you're on that highway outside of AT&T Field, you're very thankful there's a net up because otherwise you're calling your insurance adjuster to claim act of God, and really it's just an act of snow. It's he's incredible. Um, I've heard that his lateral movement at third base isn't great. He did show one play that I'm sure you'll see on BA at some point where he was able to come in on the ball and one hand it and make a strong throw to first, which is encouraging. It wasn't quite the, the, the a rod play where you get it off the ground. It was off a high bounce. Um, but he does have that plus arm. Um, and even if he has to move to first base somehow, uh, or some, at some point, um, he's going to have the power and, and the hitting chops to stick there. Yeah, you're not touching him in a trade, I don't think. Although, my my mantra is, everybody can be traded 
It's just a matter of for whom. I don't believe in untouchables, so that's a small digression. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. There's a, there's just sort of a with him. I can't I can't imagine a practical scenario where where he's able to uh, uh, where where a team is able to to trade for him. But I guess look on the other hand, we you know we've seen. Uh, I didn't believe Addison Russell could be traded. Yeah, Addison Russell, Will Myers, uh, you know, Jesus Montero was at one point one of the, you know, uh, an even higher ranked prospect than Miguel Sano. So, so we have seen guys like that uh, move. Yeah, like but that 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 Pineda Montero trade that was a fascinating challenge trade, and I would love to see more like that. That, you know, people on the internet uh, are going to churn out immediate who won the trades, and it's not going to be. There's not going to be a clear winner until two or three years down the line. Those trades are fascinating, and Sano would be a kind of guy that could be moved in one of those. But it's probably not going to happen. But it's kind of yeah. fun to think well, about. Yeah, uh, and it's it's I'm looking at Sano. I mean, they list him at 260 pounds now, which sounds accurate, and yeah, yeah. also sounds like uh, way. I don't know how many 260 pound, six foot four, 260 pound third baseman there have ever been i remember when he when sano signed first he was he was trying out at shortstop nobody thought this guy was going to be a shortstop but he was running if i remember right he's running like six sevens i mean he had he could run he had some speed at the time uh he was athletic obviously he still has a, a strong arm uh it sounds like even even coming off the surgery now uh, so we, everybody just assumed this guy would go to third base, right field, you know, maybe first base, just depending on how the body developed, just because everybody thought, you know, this guy's going to blow up and be uh, just be a huge person. And that's been correct. And I don't know, has he has he lost his athleticism or do you think the athleticism is still there to play third base? Or I mean, it's just you don't see anybody who's 260 pounds. Well, uh, with well, the exception of maybe Pablo Sandoval, but even he's not, more, uh, yeah. Juan Uribe. Yeah. He's, Uribe, six, he's, he's listed as six foot two forty five, I think, which is, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's so, I mean, you, you can get away with some different shapes at, uh, at the position, but you have to be, you have to, you have position to be an excellent, well. yeah, you have to be an excellent athlete for, uh, for your size, have quick reactions and, and hand-eye coordination and arm strength to to play the position. I don't know. It's it's always hard for me to judge a guy defensively after just seeing him a few games. What were your impressions of him uh, in the field? I, he's okay there. He's they, Like I said, the, the lateral range isn't great. The arm is strong. But something someone was mentioning to me was that he doesn't know right now the finer points of playing third base, like when to play in, when to play back, when mm. to read a guy's swing better. And that's the kind of stuff that's not going to show up in a box score or a video for that matter, um, that he still needs to learn. Um, even if he had a fielding percentage of a thousand, um, it's that's that kind of stuff. It's going to take a little longer for him to learn to, to see whether the final verdict is that he can stay at third. Um, you heard a lot of things about Michael Franco, whether he could stick at third. Um, and I think he can. Uh, he's not the most fleet of foot guy in the world, but he's got great instincts over there, Michael, uh, and he's got a strong arm to make up for some of that lack of lateral range. So they're working very hard with him on agility. There's a video on our Facebook page and our Instagram of him. There's a coach who will just take a ball, and he'll stand like square from the coach, and the coach will at random throw a ball to his left, to his right, and his left, and his right, and, it's kind of, and Miguel has to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and catch them, and then immediately toss them back and get ready again. It's kind of like juggling, but you're, you're, the ball flight is controlled by somebody else's hand. And uh, he does okay with it. There's some times where he misses and then has to take a few breaths because he's winded. Um, but they're working very hard on it, and I think it's a long way off before saying you got you have to move. All right. Um, so what, what else did you want to talk about on this podcast, Ben? Um, you said you saw, who, who else did you see on the trip? You oh, said. uh, Schwarber, um, the catcher for the Cubs, who is a catcher right now, um, may not be that in the future. Uh, if you read it in JJ Cooper's piece earlier this year about the Cubs and their catchers and 
defensive catching overall. Um, you know that they've revamped a lot of stuff with Kyle Schwarber. He talked about, you know, positioning himself differently on uh, parts of his feet. Like he said, they're thinking of uh, setting him up more uh, toward the middle of his feet now, if I remember correctly. They've changed his throwing stroke. He's working very hard on it. Um, but it's a sh- it's not a shame, but it's his bat is ready now or soon. He could slot right into that lineup, but because the Cubs are a National League team, um, you're not going to play him at first base because Anthony Rizzo lives there. Um, I don't think you're necessarily going to put him in the outfield uh, yet. I guess left field would be the most likely landing spot for him if you're not going to put him at catcher. But that's another piece that could slot right into this lineup with Bryant and Rizzo and Russell and Castro, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else in that Cubs lineup. But it's it's another piece that is going to be a potential impact bat for them, just not necessarily. If he were with an AL team, he might be up right now DHing. Yeah, I think they, I think they're genuine about their commitment to to having him catch. Now he's not he's not ready to catch in the big leagues right now. I think if you, especially if you teamed him with a battery of him and and John Lester. Uh, pretty much anybody who gets on first base is going to be automatically at second. <laughs> yeah. So he's not he's not good at throwing out runners. His you know his lateral agility is is not that great. Uh, you know for, in terms of just you know receiving and, and framing pitches, it, it sounds like that's he's pretty solid uh, at that. But um, but a lot of it's there's still a lot of work to be done behind the plate. And I think if you give him you know if you give him two three years in the minor leagues something like that to to figure it out he might be i think he he would be a passable catcher but this is not a bat that's going to need two to three years in the minor leagues to be ready uh he probably is not even going to need another year in the minor leagues i don't know i'm not as optimistic and i love kyle schwarber you know ever since he uh, you know, ever since the end of last last season, when he completely tore through uh, both levels of, of a ball, and been all about Kyle Schwarber, and, and I love his bats. Um, I would like to see some more time in the in the minor leagues for uh, for him. I like to see guys get uh, some exposure to uh, to AAA and, and face different kind of pitching there than than they're than they're used to seeing in Double A. I think it's. Uh, I think it's an underrated jump uh, for for hitters to have to make. There's, you know, you're facing a lot more guys with major league experience, especially, uh, you know, once you get into the bullpens and in Double A, you're you're mostly facing a bunch of non prospects or or guys who uh, throw hard and, and don't know where it's going. Whereas in Triple A, you're facing a lot of guys who are on that, uh, you know, the taxi squad between shuttling up and down between the the big leagues and and triple a so the the difference in pitching he, he would face there i think would be uh, important for uh for his development but but i, I think certainly at, you know by this point next year his bat's going to be ready it's just defensively it's uh it's a tough call to make especially for them you know if, if they had um you know if they had a more obvious opening for him i, I do think he could play left field uh i don't i wouldn't want to just throw him out there without any um, you know, without any seasoning, uh, without any experience out there, uh, without some more exposure to uh, to playing the outfield a little bit in the minor leagues before you want to put him out there. I do think he could be uh, a, a playable left fielder, but um, but it's going to be a, a tough decision for them to make because I think the bat is is really going to force the issue for for him pretty soon. So the last guy I think we should touch on before we uh, we call it a podcast is uh, Steven Matz, and on my trip, I drove the two hours from Chattanooga to Nashville to check out Steve Matz against Barry Zito in a uh, kind of a back-to-the-future sort of matchup. Um, Zito won that day. Uh, he ate you know, shutout innings against Las Vegas, and the, the curious thing with Matz was right now they have him on a pitch count for his last two starts of about 80 pitches, so after five innings, he was done, and not knowing about the pitch count beforehand, I thought, oh goodness, is he is he hurt? You know, frankly, he's fortunately he's not. Um, but 
they're they're saving his bullets. And there's a story on BA right now about that. They're saving him for sometime this year. Could be relatively soon. Could be like Severino near the All-Star break. But there's a very good chance you'll see Steven Matz in um, in Queens this year. And he's another guy. Just to add to their list of their pile of pitchers, he's a lefty with three potential plus pitches and a mid-90s to 97-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, a hammer of a curveball and a changeup that you'll get plenty of swings and misses on. Um, he's almost there, and if you add him to a rotation that includes at some point Harvey, Degrom, Wheeler, Syndergaard, uh, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Dude, Bartolo Colon. Yes, Bartolo Colon. Yes, the greatest, our greatest treasure, Bartolo Colon. Uh, make a six man with those three guys. Just. Um, you're going to have a hard time getting hits against the Mets. Well, I think if, if they, if this, if he was in almost any other organization, I, I think he'd be in the big leagues right now. I think that's fair to say. Um, he's, he's close. He's real, real close. Is all I can say. Um, even though that outing I saw wasn't his best, he was, you know, he said 80 pitches. Uh, he was up in the zone a bit and he was rushing through his delivery. He even said as much afterward, um, but you look at the rest of his season and you see that he just carves a lot. I asked one of the charting pitchers what to expect from him this today or that day. And he said, just a lot of strikeouts, dude, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, and he was wrong. I only got two, but, um, previously this year, he would have been right. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I've always liked Syndergaard over Matt's. I don't know who you would take it to me. I, I like Syndergaard's. I think Syndergaard has a better track record of durability. That, to me, is a, a concern with Mats. And you know, I've, I've always, I've always liked Syndergaard's uh, breaking ball better than Mats's. But that, that was kind of the question mark on on Mats in the past. But just watching the the video that you took and, and from what you saw of, of Mats's breaking ball, it seems like that was a, a pretty good pitch for him the other day. Actually, that it is a pretty good pitch for him. It's a very good pitch for him. Yeah. That particular one was probably the best all day. Okay. But that's I think is the 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 other ones are the outliers, and I'm sure a lot of mathematicians will yell at me and say that's not true. Um, but that one I think is more close to the the breaking ball you'll see from him at his best. Um, it's it's going to be a really fine rotation. And if you read the quotes from Frank Viola in that piece you'll see he's very excited about the future there uh, in, in New York and the, the pitchers he's able to help send from from Vegas to the Mets. Now, if they can only get a hitter. Conforto, your 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 time is coming. Yeah, I love, uh, love Michael Conforto. Everything you want to see in a, a good hitter, he does. Yeah, even even if he did go to the wrong school in Oregon. Um, and, and with that, um, I think we've worried an hour and three minutes here now. So I think it's probably time to wrap this puppy up. I think Ben's got July stuff, July 2nd stuff to work on. Um, I've got a bearing down piece to write and videos to make for the 500. So uh, Ben Badler, anything else you want to say before we leave? No, that's all. All right. Uh, For Ben Badler, this is Josh Norris. Thank you guys for listening to another Baseball America podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.